Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode 68. I'm Barry, with me is George. One more to 69. I know, I'm so excited. That's pretty good. Um, are you going to do what, what I think you're going to do when we get to 69? I'm hoping, yeah, well, I want to do Feel the Magic, obviously, so, I mean, that's already right. teased already since forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it. Just like how episode 100 is going to be, what, Outrun 2, right? Yes, of course, because the first pretty episode much. was Outrun. Pretty much. Exactly. And so why why is episode 68 um, Altered Beast? Why do you think that is, George? Because it came out on the Nintendo 68. No? Okay. Um. <laughs> no. Uh, the reason I actually picked this one, um, if you check out our YouTube channel, we have a chronological order playlist, meaning you can listen to all of the Sega Talk episodes, but instead of going episode 1, 2, 3, you know, in that order, like normal, you know... Yeah. Um, What's what's that meme where it's like the Chad and then what's the other one? Virgin something. Beta? Right, right, right. So if you want to be the the Virgin uh, uh, episodic order guy or the Chad chronological order guy, um, Altered Beast, I believe, is our first 1988 episode, mm. and so I both picked it for that reason and because I feel like it's an episode both of us are kind of like, eh. You know, like, as evidence, we're this far into the show, and we're finally talking about Altered Beast. So, why is that? Well, let's find out. So, Altered Beast was released in 1988, um, our first Sega Talk episode, as I mentioned, from that year. Uh, Altered Beast is called, and I'm sorry if you're Japanese, I'm just butchering this, Juoki in Japan, which translates to Beast King Chronicle, or I've also heard the Chronicles of Beast King. Um, it's a System 16 arcade game from Makoto Uchida, who is the creator of Golden Axe. The game is a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and it's best known for the gimmick of taking the form of various were-animals and the catchphrase, Rise from your grave. Yeah. Altered Beast is probably best known for the Genesis Mega Drive port, and there was even a Master System release, as well as several other platforms, including the Famicom, uh, which is giving me Samari flashbacks. Oh. And I think <laughs> what's so funny is I feel like the last like five episodes, there's been some connection, either Dracula or Famicom. It's it's tenuous, but it's there. Uh, so we plan to talk mainly about the arcade and Genesis versions, but we will touch on all those other ports later on because there is some interesting stuff there. Um if you have been following Segabits for the past, man, 10 years, we're so old, um, we have talked about Altered Beast quite a bit in previous articles and videos, and I think it's safe to say that we both aren't the biggest fans of the game. Not that we hate it, but you're not going to see it make any like top five or top ten lists. Um, but we will try to put that like bias aside tonight. And really look at the development, the gameplay from a fair perspective. So, George, what are your earliest memories of the all-time classic, beloved game, Altered Beast? 
I mean, I played it on the Genesis. I didn't play mm-hmm. the arcade version until way later in my life. Like, it, th- that wasn't an arcade that you would just see everywhere. Like, I don't remember ever seeing that thing in person. So, I don't even know if it was popular right. in arcade. I do know it was pretty popular on the Sega Genesis. And uh, I, to me, I mean, maybe it's because I was already spoiled as a kid and I already played Golden Axe and I played Streets of Rage. Going back and playing... Altered Beast is pretty hard, and I even thought that maybe, I don't know, like, Double Dragon came out around this time, or a little bit before, and I feel like that had something more going for it, and I liked that more than I would even like this game. And I know there's going to be a lot right. of people online going, oh no, but <laughs> that's just my my opinion when I used to play it. I, I do have a lot more respect for the arcade version, because it's more gory, and it looks way better, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, dismembering effects look way way better on there. Um, Absolutely. And I do like the, the whole transforming into a beast, but, you know, Golden Axe did the whole riding the beast thing, so, you know, call back, but yeah. What about you? Right. Um, so for me, I mean, this game out game came out when I was about four, maybe three or four years old. So I don't really remember it. Um, I was really kind of a Sega Genesis uh, 2.0 kid when Sonic came out and kind of did a soft reboot to the console. Mm. So Altered Beast is a game that I maybe would see at a friend's house who bought a Genesis before me. I would maybe maybe rent. I probably rented this. And I do have a memory of playing it, and I remember thinking it's too hard, I can't get far in it, I just wasted my weekend on a rental of this game. Yeah. Um, and I have more distinct memories of Back to the Future Part 3 for Genesis as the ultimate wasted rental, because mm-hmm. I think within five minutes I was like, well, that was that. Was that. I'm not going to... I can't play this for the rest of the weekend because it's just a piece of crap. Whereas with Altered Beast, I did try, but I just I couldn't get into it. And I think it's one of those games that just really suffers from limited continues on the Genesis. Yeah. Which is just, I think, is a terrible decision. If you're going to port an arcade game to home console, you should reward the players or the consumers who spent what, $50, $60 on the game and a couple hundred on the console with unlimited continues. It's not like, it's not like having them start over after like two or three deaths is going to give you any more money. You know what I mean? I don't understand the logic behind it. It's terrible logic. I don't know who thought that up. It's the stupidest thing. Thankfully, uh, it's on the Astro City Mini and I do believe it has unlimited continues. So you Mm. can play through the game finally and in its arcade form. But, um, what do you think about the title, Altered Beast? Would you, do you think like Beast King or Beast King Chronicle is a cooler name? Uh, I like Altered Beast. I, I mean, because like right away you understand the game that you're going to transform yeah. into a beast. It's like Altered Beast. Sounds cool. Beast King would sound like some anime. It sounds like some like, like I don't know. It's just weird. But yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up anime. Um, on very early Sega Talk episodes, we would do like movies at the time, we kind of stopped doing it just because we repeat years so much. Yeah. But I thought just, um, this is kind of a last minute thing I'm throwing in here. Since this is our first 1988 one, I just wanted to toss some movies out at you. Um, 1988 was actually a very, a very big year for anime. Um, we had Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro, which was a double feature, probably the weirdest double feature of all time. Yeah. Um, Akira or Akira mm. came out. 
Um, and then on the Western side of things, it's just insane. There's Maniac Cop, Hell Comes to Frogtown, Bloodsport, They Live, uh, Willow, Land Before Time, Pippi Longstocking, Oliver and Company. The very first Pixar short came out, Tin Toy. Um, the Hulk Returns came to theaters, which I think has probably the closest connection to Altered Beast just because it's someone transforming into a big, strong, muscle-bound guy. Yeah. Um, and Short Circuit 2, Roger Rabbit, like just weird stuff. Beetlejuice, what a weird year. For sure. Um, <laughs> you know? I was going to say the anime <laughs> stuff like um, The Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, Dragon Ball came out that mm-hmm. year, too. Yeah, that's pretty big. I was going to say, Grave of the Fireflies, that movie's super sad. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'd put it with My Neighbor Totoro. Like, they're totally different. I mean... They did. Yeah. yeah I mean, would you want to see your little daughter watch a complex movie about war like that? I don't know. I think it's too... No. <laughs> yeah, it's too <laughs> No, much. that movie made me cry. In fact, down, downstairs in my, in my movie shelf, I actually have a container of the candies that the little girl eats. Oh. It's a reproduction with her on the tin. Oh, no. Which is the saddest yes. <laughs> food tie-in ever. Like, spoiler alert, you know, like... You watch it and then you, you're like, why the hell did I buy this candy? It makes me want to kill myself. Uh, don't do that though. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, if you check out the show notes, I did put a, um, arcade long play in there just so that while we're talking, you could get an idea of, if you're watching the video version, what this game's all about. Uh, this is from World of Long Plays, who always have stuff posted. So they're a cool YouTube channel, but, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about this game, huh? So Altered Beast, it has an incredibly simple story. The, the game kicks off with text reading, I command you to rise from the grave and rescue my daughter. And the man speaking is Zeus himself. Holy shit, really? And if you've, if you've watched uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, isn't that uh, Wonder Woman's dad? Is that what they, they allude to in the movie? I think so, yeah. Then yeah. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you're wonder man. And then But then the daughter is Athena. So it's not Wonder Woman, but that's interesting. Um your character is a dead centurion who has been revived, and your enemy is the evil demon god Neph. And I I don't know if you know your uh history, but Neph is not real. Like it should be Hades, honestly. I think that would have been a lot cooler. Um, Why do you think they didn't go with it? I don't know. Maybe they were afraid of, like, the Bible-thumping crowd to be like, oh, Satan's in this game. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Um, Though it is raising the dead. And um, there's a game game on the Dreamcast. It's an N64 game. I think you told me you're not a huge fan of it, but it's also, like, an undead guy, isn't it? It's, um... Oh man, it's it's I can't remember. It's a lot of games I it's don't. It's got like. a lot of voodoo. It's like got, got a lot of voodoo in it and stuff. Mm. Um um but I'm just I'm thinking of other games with like undead people. Uh Decap Attack. Mm. And that's that's one yeah. that instantly comes to mind. So you know, it's it's an interesting concept just because you're being risen from the dead, so if you die, it's not a big deal. You know, you're not like, "Oh, my guy died." You're like, "Well, my guy's been dead." So it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you basically, you go through, you kill these wolf-like demons and other guys. Um, and what's interesting is that in the arcade version, 
they would flash multiple colors. They remove that from the Genesis. So you're going to see a trend here. A lot of things removed from the Genesis port. Um, you collect spirit balls. I believe that's the official term that cause you to increase muscle mass. And after collecting three, you transform into a beast that varies based on the stage. Uh, the master system version of the game lacks the muscle increase, which is kind of the biggest gimmick of the game. So that's a shame. Yeah. Um, once you are in beast mode, players confront Neff, who utters the game's other famous line, Welcome to your doom, and unleashes the stage boss, uh, which is actually him. Like, Neff tra- transforms and takes these different forms. So, um, George, do you remember what happens if you fail to collect three balls before the boss? No, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. Don't you just start it off in a certain point or do you just... I thought there's so many balls that it's almost impossible not to get them, right? Right, yeah. So your player runs away like a little baby. Mm. And after the second time at failing to get all the balls, the stage will start from the beginning. And in the Genesis version, you will have to fight the boss as a human on the third try. So... Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this type of gameplay structure? Like, is that them being really forgiving or is that them, do you think that's easier or more difficult? To collect the three balls and then force the, the, uh, the change, I guess. Um, I guess it's more forgiving right, like, because they could have just done the whole, yeah. you die next time, go back, give us a quarter and, uh, restart the level considering how arcane right, we yeah. were back then. Because I'm thinking, like, a game that really comes to mind is Sonic the Hedgehog. Because if you have Super Sonic, you need to have 50 rings. But imagine if every time you came up to the boss, like, oh, you need 50 rings, start the stage over. But it's almost like them telling you, hey, the beast mode is necessary to battle the boss. And it's, I mean, if you want to take a peek behind the scenes, it almost kind of tells you, hey, we did not design this boss well enough to be taken on by yeah. any version of the 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 playable character like for example um fantasy zone it's a game where you don't need to take the item shop uh to the parts shop to get a weapon that will be best used against the boss however they designed the game with that in, intention yeah and so you can confront the boss without any weapons and then and then you you realize, oh, I really needed like that spread shot or those big bombs or something like that. So there is kind of like a little fun um, learning experience and a little back and forth between the developer's intentions and the player. But here it just, I don't know, to me, I mean, I guess this is my first big knock on the game is it's almost like they did not put as much effort into the bosses to the point where the game itself is like, no, 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 hand-holding, like, drags you back. Nope, you know, like you're a bad kid yeah. or something being put on timeout. Um, but then, okay, so let's say you do get those three balls. <laughs> That's funny. Um, after defeating the boss, Neff's head appears, and he steals the spirit balls, turning you back into a human, and then you follow Neff into the next stage. And as far as controls, the game's very simple. You move with the D-pad, and you kick, punch, and jump with the action buttons. And, of course, uh, Master System does not have three action buttons, so you need to press up to jump, which is always annoying, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, there is a fun little move where you kneel and like lie on your back and kick like you're doing little aerobics. I think all the kicks um, in this game so there are, are ridiculous. Like, they're shin kicks. You're not even really kicking <laughs> them forward. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah. yeah, they're really they're really bizarre kicks. Um and then the stage slowly auto scrolls to the right. So you really aren't walking to the left much unless you're trying to get a spirit ball um going off the stage. So what are your thoughts on the simplicity of the controls and do you think Sega could have done um more or do you think it's the simplicity that kind of makes the game so beloved to to some people. I mean, they could have added a little more to it, but I think a lot of people are more in love with the fact that, I mean, for a lot of older fans, this was their first, like, Sega Genesis game, probably, because it came packed in the original Sega Genesis. So I, I right. can see that nostalgia, and since, and then all the way from, 90, you know, 88 to 891, I mean, the Genesis mm-hmm. was kind of, before 91, it, they were kind of suffering, like, uh, software, right? So this is probably one of the better games on there until you know Golden X came out. So I would say I could see why people like it, but I would I think that even they would say that the combat needed a little more pizzazz, you know, a little more something. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I I think it's worth mentioning too. The game did have two player play, which was common in eighties games, but I think the game kind of. Uh, falters a bit just because they don't have any like tag team or assist feature like i i think that's something that it really could have used just to kind of i don't know like plus it a little bit i think one of the big i don't remember what the pillars were exactly but there's this book i have it's behind me there and it's uh the history of sega's um, arcade games and they talk about you know like sega games need to have this 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 and this and you know, one of them was innovation, I believe. And I feel like, and you'll see when we go through the game's development, there's so many times where there's some cool innovative thing and they go, oh, we don't have time for this. And in this case, like, I just, I really feel like they could have done a very simple innovation with two players. Like even a game like Quartet, you can stand on each other's heads, you know? Um, Yeah. Or a game from, uh, I believe this development team, is Alex Kidd the Lost Stars where you again stand on each other's heads and that's kind of a pretty that's a pretty simplistic game too. Yeah, it is. Um and also very unforgiving. I honestly kind of think that's the closest game I can think in terms of comparing uh uh Altered Beast to anything else. It's very Alex Kidd and the Lost Stars to me. Um I mean, do you think a tag team assist moves would have helped this game at all? I mean, yeah, of course, anything that would add a little more to the gameplay. Like, I remember uh, as a kid playing, um, which one is it, Double Dragon, maybe two or three, and finding Uh. out the fact that, like, if you do a a move, I forgot what it was, but, like, one of the guys could throw you, and I I was just, like, my mind was blowing that there was interaction between the two characters, because usually when you play those kind of games, it's like... Don't even bother touching the other. Don't even get close to the, your the, uh, second player because you guys are going to hit each other or something stupid, you know? Right. And so when mm-hmm. I found out, I was like, okay, that's pretty slick. And uh, maybe it was like Super Double Dragon. I'm not sure. That game wasn't that great. But there was some interaction there. And, um, yeah, I think that it could have done a lot better if they rethought about it. But this this game kind of reminds me of, and when you said, you know, Alex Kidd and the Lost Stars, one of those sweatshop games where we're, they're like, we need a game out now. We need it out. Yeah. In a couple months. Actually, we needed it out yet last month, but yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say that because Altered Beast, 
I don't know how long the development itself was, but the lead up to development, you're actually going to be surprised. Oh, um, oh my god! I'll save that a little, a little surprise for you. But let's let's talk about the game stages. There are five in total, and uh, we'll be naming them. I guess we're naming them after the beast modes that they appear in. I don't believe there's official names for them. They didn't have enough time. Um, so let's take. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean they could have called this one like what? So let's look at stage Greece? one. It, it, Greece, yeah, sure. The whole game's Greece, isn't it? I guess I so. Look at you see the little statues uh, of naked people in the back. <laughs> you do. They have little wieners. No. They probably do. Um, so stage one, it sees the player turning into the iconic werewolf, perhaps the most iconic of the entire game. Yeah, and I think that's just because it's the first one you see on screen. Uh, especially for these very unforgiving games, you're going to say see this stage a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I wager that a lot of people watching this are going to see some later stages and go, oh, that's what it looks like? Oh. Like, honestly, for me, when I saw stage four, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. never saw that before. Um, uh, so this, this first stage, it's based in the Acropolis at Hades, which is a graveyard where you were buried. This is your home. Like Green Hill Zone is Sonic's home. It's it's the where he was buried at too. Yeah, exactly. And I, wouldn't it have been nice if the game opened up like with the funeral, you know, like a little prequel, like a little movie, cool. like a little movie in the beginning, kind yeah. of like how they have in uh, like Crackdown and um, whatever on the arcades where they have the little like cinematic intros. Yeah, that would have been fun. Like people crying, oh, he's dead, and then he rises from your grave, and everyone goes ah, and they run away from the funeral because zombies are attacking. Um, Exactly. Um, so, let's see. So, the werewolf form, it allows players to shoot energy from their hands and feet, naturally. And Neff's form in this stage is agar, or in Japan they call him hugger. <laughs> um, he's, defi- he's definitely not a hugger, though. He's actually a legless, horned demon that can launch its head and grow a new one. And watch out, because agar can fire up to five heads at a time. That's pretty cool. Um, and a funny Easter egg in the arcade version actually sees Alex Kidd and Stella's names uh, carved into tombstones. So they died. Um, they knew the future of the franchise. And exactly. And I, my speculation was this is because in Alex Kidd and the Lost Stars, you die a lot. So it's like every time Alex Kidd dies, he gets buried in, uh, in the Acropolis. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there's your direct connection right there to those two games that are eerily similar in my opinion. Um, let's jump into stage two. This is a fun one. Um, if only because there is a connection to Golden Axe here. So stage two sees players venturing into a swamp where they can turn into the were dragon and Golden Axe fans should enjoy the appearance of chicken stingers or chicken leg in Japan who are enemies here, but they are rideable beasts in Golden Axe. And oh, yeah. They're kind of like the Chocobo. They're, they're like the Chocobo, right, of the... Golden uh, Axe, yeah. Uh, Golden Axe and, and Altered Beast universe. And I, do, do you see these two games as connected? Do you think they're like the same universe? I mean, Sega never like came out and said it, but like in, when I was a kid, I always assumed that there was some sort of connection. I never really put the chicken leg together, but it makes super sense right now when you look at it because maybe because the colors and I didn't really play this game that much. But I mean, let's be honest, it's 
kind like I, I'm pretty sure that Golden Axe is a spiritual successor to what they try to do in Altered Beast, but trying to do a little flip with it, where instead of you turning into a beast, you you get on beast because they did bring back right, some of yeah. the animals. I mean, like Chicken Leg here. Exactly. I mean, I guess if it's a good design, they'll want to reuse it. Um, other enemies include Rattletails and Round Leeches. So that sounds fun. Uh, the Werewolf or Were Dragon power up uses electricity and shooting electric blasts. And Neff's form in this stage is Octa Eyes, a fern with multiple eyes and poison eyeball spores, naturally. So. And you can see him there. He's very cute, isn't he? With the little eyeballs. Yeah, you know the drawings in this remind me of? Like, I don't know, some like morbid kids' drawings. Like, especially the, the last boss we saw with the, with the heads. I'm like, this looks like something that like a gothic kid would write in like your middle school when you look in his notebook and you're like, <laughs> what's this? It's just my anguish, man. Yeah. It's my uh, it's my <laughs> headless demons. <laughs> but yeah. I always remember those kids in, in like grade school and high school who could draw like really well. They would always always draw like the same four things. Yeah, really well though. You know, like you're like, yeah, but really well. For me, I would draw a bunch of things okay, yeah. and I thought I was better than them. Um, Don't let them hear this podcast. So let's let's exactly. Uh, I think it's time to get cuddly. Ooh. So let's jump into stage three. It sees the debut, and listen to this name, and tell me this is not the cutest thing you've ever heard. The debut of Werebear. Mm, so cute, isn't? He sh- I mean, he did make he did make the cover of the 3ds classics. He did, and I believe he's the racer, right? I think in, so. In, and he has like a little worried face on yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which and it rhymes with Care Bear. I mean, how is that not cute? Um, but you know what? They knew it was too cute. So to counter the cuteness. The setting of stage three is a dark cavern filled with bottomless pits, uh, which Alex Kidd in the Lost Stars is full of. Oh, hell yeah. And insect enemies, which I think every single video game is full of. What did insects do to us? No idea. I don't know. Uh, The werebear's power is the ability to hug and kiss. No, uh, the ability to turn enemies into stone. And the ability to curl into a ball and bounce, which is Sonic's move, I guess. Um, and then the boss here is just insane. So Neff turns into, and this is a real name, Moldy Snail. And it's a dragon with a snail shell. And you're supposed to attack until the head emerges and Moldy Snail attacks with slow-moving fire, of course, because snails are slow. I mean, why don't they just make it a dragon? Um, it kind of looks like a dragon in a snail, you know? Like Dragon Snail, yeah, which sounds like Dragon Tail, Uh-oh. but no, Moldy Snail. Moldy Snail, sorry. I mean, you look at the, the the drawing; he has mold on his ass. Yeah, that didn't like down below. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wonder uh, maybe that? maybe they did it after one of their ex girlfriends or something. Moldy ass, but they couldn't get away with that, <laughs> so they're like, "We'll just call her. So they, we'll call her Moldy Dragon." I'm not- <laughs> I've never heard of that's. I mean, I think that's fact, actually. I think um, it was. I thought I saw it in your notes, but I guess I'm wrong. Sorry. No, you you got that totally wrong. Uh, things start to heat up in stage four as you near Neff's lair, as you enter the gates of his underworld palace. It is here that you turn into a creature that would make Napoleon Dynamite proud. It's it's the Were Tiger. Uh, have Tiger. Have it's <laughs> werewolf. 
it's pretty much the coolest animal I've ever made up. Um, so, <laughs> the were tiger. What was his? It was the liger, liger right? It was half lion, yeah, half tiger. Yeah. Which is a real thing, I think. I don't think they call them ligers, but, um. You should now. The were tiger. Yeah. And so, the were tiger attacks are basically werewolf attacks, but vertical. So you can already see here they're starting to run out of ideas. Um, Neff, though, he has not run out of ideas. I think this is my favorite boss from the game. Neff becomes the crocodile worm, or as the superior Japanese, the, the Chad Japanese call it, or Chadanese, um, Chad- the fatty crocodile. <laughs> I like that one better. Fatty crocodile. I mean, fatty crocodile. Let's be honest. With you look how sick that looks, dude. His little pregnant belly with a little bit of little little magma ball right there. I mean, I'm not one for nicknames, but if someone was like, "Hey, you're fatty crocodile," now I'd go, "All right, I'll take that." <laughs> and he is that. a floating crocodile. Would you yeah, take I'd it? Yeah, I'd take it. That's pretty cool, especially since I mean, it's tied <laughs> to this. You know, it's pretty cool art. I mean. Done deal. Exactly. I mean, that looks like something you'd see on the back of a skateboard in like the late 90s, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Or a pog. It looks like something you'd see on a pog. It'd be that kid that kid um, comes up with his like cool glasses and he's like, this, look at my, look at my slammer. And then it has that thing on it. And you're like, God damn, I'm going to lose all my pogs this time. I, I mean, <laughs> for those audio only, it's basically a chubby crocodile with a giant pregnant stomach that looks like. Uh, like a glowing red uh, Mag- gobstopper yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah magma. Yeah. Molten hot magma. For sure. Um, he is a floating crocodile that shoots fire out of his belly. And he also, this is really weird, he shoots mini red were dragons as well. So it's like they reused and shrunk down the were dragon sprite. So it's like you from earlier being shot at yourself now. Mm. Um, yeah, very meta. Um, stage five, this is where things get real because you are entering the underworld. I like the goat and you battle squared up right there. He's like, let's go. (laughs) Exactly. When I was, when I was grabbing, uh, screens for this, typically I grab from like, uh, Sega retro, but in this case I had to grab from somewhere else because I wanted to get that sweet little goat in there. (laughs) Um, and these are called, this is the best name. See, I was so down on this game at the beginning of the episode but look at here we are 30 minutes later and i'm saying gory goats gory goats gory goats i like it gory goats i think fatty fatty crocodile and gory goats if those two guys are coming to your house you're having a good night and then dark unicorns Ooh. you didn't have them in the picture but i'm assuming they look beautiful Gory goats. Let's start a band. Gory goats. It's like a Sega fatty crocodile and the gory goats. That sounds pretty good. I like it. It's like a punk. Band. Um. So you're. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Uh, the beast form here is probably the least inspired. It's the golden werewolf. It's like which golden is golden Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. It's, it's a it's a slightly stronger werewolf that's basically supersonic and Neff. Always outdoing you at every turn. Always. The, the, the mischievous, nasty Neff. Bastard. <laughs> nasty Neff and his gory ghosts. Goats. Uh, his true form is revealed to be a rhino man who was actually first teased as a statue in stage four, which, as you recall, was the entrance to his palace. So he had a statue of his true self, which is pretty cool. 
And the name of this form Uh-oh. is called, and it, again, it sounds like an 80s ba- hair metal band, Van Vader. Van Vader. So, uh, Van I Vader. Mean, it, 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 it has a little bit with Star Wars in there, with Vader, I'm assuming. Yeah. There's also a, and there, and this form there's also a band called Something mm-hmm. Vader, but I can't remember now. Black Vader, maybe I'm not sure. But anyway, like, yeah. what does Vader even mean? Like dark, dark. I'm assuming something. I don't know. I I'd assume so. Yeah. Um. It's interesting though because this this game it's very metal. Yeah. And I think that's why it appeals to so many people. Because you can be like, you know, oh, the game's all right, but it's got gory goats, it's got Van Vader, it's got dark unicorns, it's got were dragons, fatty crocodiles. So it's like, on paper, it sounds fucking awesome. bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking metal man. Um, exactly, and you know, so this version of um, Neff, I mean. You, you see this guy like a floating head and a toga and stuff or whatever. Not too exciting, but if you want to bring up these Wreck-It Ralph images Uh-oh. here. So, yeah, this form is probably best known in modern pop culture as one of the bad guys in Wreck-It Ralph. And he, he, he appears during the um, the villain, like... Uh, the little seminar? AA meeting. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it's kind of crazy. He appears... On not only the main film poster, you can see him peeking under Ralph's arm. Yeah. As long, along with Sonic and Eggman. I have this one actually hanging somewhere in my basement. Oh. Yeah. Um, he also appears front and center on character posters, which they did. I believe Sonic had one. Uh, Neff as Van Vader here has one with, um, you can see here an enemy from, uh, Qbert, an enemy from Pac-Man, and then the Fix-It Felix character. Um, it's pretty cool. I like it. So, yeah. And then what I find really interesting, though, is that they went with the purple-pink color, which is interesting because this is actually his damaged coloration. Well, his normal color is gray. If you recall, a big thing in 80s and 90s games was that to show the boss was taking damage, they would change color. Mm. Um and in this case, I believe he went like gray, purple, and then red, and then dead. Um, so despite him being gray, I think they went with the purple pink just because it's a little more different. It, it pops a bit more. It looks a little more iconic. And to be honest, I think they were like, let's look for villains that we can help fill this out. And they probably just looked at screenshots and saw that he was purple. And they're like, well, he's purple. <laughs> and... It's interesting because this color carried over to his appearance in Sega Heroes, yep. uh, the mobile game, which also, I mean, it straight up rips uh, the design from Wreck-It Ralph. It, yeah, basically, and the armor and everything. It's the same one. And that's the one I actually used when we were talking about Stage 5. So I couldn't find official art like all the other bosses. I don't know if it exists. Um but yeah, so let, let's talk about this stage progression. What do you think about that? Um, do you think the unique beast forms fitting for their stages, do you think they utilized each abilities well enough to combat specific stage enemies? Like, did you see 
a method no I mean, <laughs> to this or was it just random i feel like I, I didn't i didn't see that much like i was looking at the the boss patterns and stuff and you would think like oh we got a flying one maybe we should make half the level flying you know where you get to a certain point and it's a shoot right. em up it felt like they were just putting things together and hoping that it stuck and then they're like hey check this game out and sega's like all right it's already it's already been released and they're like oh this is just this is just the alpha testing what are you guys doing stop releasing games but because uh, a lot of the stuff felt like they could have gone back and rethought of a lot of the things, like uh, just having a Super Saiyan werewolf, or like it's like you only have five stages to begin with, so you got what five transformations? Is that what it is? Five stages? Yeah. And you would, right? Yeah, exactly. You would have to make each one super unique if you only have five stages. So yeah, the game is super short, and I think that's probably why they didn't let you uh, have infinite continues when you bought it as a kid on the Genesis, because you would have bought it and then beat it in 16 minutes and then your mom's like cool i'm not buying you a sega game anymore <laughs> but i mean my my thought behind that whole thing is that would you rather play and i i don't know how long let's see let me check back at the so yeah 16 minute arcade long play 16 minute game in the arcades at least um but would you rather play a full game 16 minutes let's say if you're like a pro or would you rather play the first two stages forever and never see the rest of the game? Unless you had, like, Game Genie. As a hardcore gamer, I'm going to have to say, uh, play the first two levels over and over. No, I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> no, I agree with you. But uh, you got to understand, this is also the time where, like, Sega would localize games and make them harder for no fucking reason. Or other companies would do it, too. Right. Like, uh, those RPGs. That, right. Have you seen those uh, RPGs where they fan patched them? So they could basically make them less grindy because when they brought them over to America, they made them like 50 times more. Like you had to fight 50 times more enemies just to get to the same same progression you would get on the Japanese so that you could waste more time. I don't know why they did that. I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I view these types of games as almost like an album. When I visit Galloping Ghost Arcade, which I guess I, I'll be able to do in the next few months Ooh. again after a whole year. When are you guys going to open um, all up? I... Oh, I mean, they're playing now. They're open now. They've been open, but they're just not like, they've not been super great at like the mask protocols. Uh. So I'm like, um, but every time I go there, I play Space Harrier all the way through. It takes me like 30 minutes or something, but it's just like, it's like li sitting down to listen to your favorite album. Cause I get to see all the stages. I get to play all the bosses. I get to see the end. And it never gets old. I'm not like, oh, I beat this. I'm done. I mean, sure, there are games like that. But if, if I could say, like, yeah, Altered Beasts got this unlimited continues on the home console port. So, like, I enjoy playing through it. It's not the, you know, most innovative game. But I get to see the whole game, at least. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, for me, I, I think the game falters. just be It suffers just because... Um, well, the stage progressions there, the beast forms don't really fit with the bosses. It's not like fantasy zone levels of thought put into it. Um, and, you know, I mean, what can you say? But I think something that really helps the arcade version that the home version lacks is that Altered Beast's ending in the arcade version... Uh, reveals that the whole game was just a cheesy movie being filmed. All of the monsters remove their costumes, uh, and they all have beers, including the uh, 
the daughter that he saves, which I think is kind of funny seeing this like little girl, I mean, teenage girl, like holding up a stein of beer. Um, and then you see an illustration of all the developers with their eyes obscured, probably because of course, Sega like to keep their developers uh, unknown so they don't get sniped. But I mean, my, my opinion is I think this actually helps the game because you don't take it as seriously. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I, I just, I think that the ending improves it a little bit. And when you play it on the Genesis, it removes this. So it's just like you played an epic adventure game. The end. You what know? do you think about the whole uh, <laughs> Team Shinobi nineteen eighty eight summer thing on top? That's pretty cool. Like it kind of gives you a little like uh, like it's like it's a little stamp to teammates to like stamp out their game. You know when they're holding the beers. I think it's cool. I like that. Yeah, it is really fun. I, I like how that uh, what's his name the bad guy Neff is just chilling there with his beer, but like halfway because he's so weak. But look at all the you, you know he's got to be a little ashamed. Like these guys have like the the best bodies in the world, like beach bods, and then this old man just like holding the beer halfway there. But yeah, right. And I mean, I I don't I don't like to talk about them on this show, um, but I will just call them out. Uh, Sega Nerds never heard of them. Had one of their, <laughs> I know one of their last articles that they posted on their site because they are dead. Uh, they've been dead since 2019, unfortunately. Uh, is that they listed the worst Sega games and Altered Beast was on the list. I think that's a little unfair. But one thing I think is really interesting, and this kind of gives you an insight into how some fans view this game, is that they said the story. Well, they, they said critics of Altered Beast, and I don't know where this citation's coming from, but critics of Altered Beast often highlighted that it was difficult to take the game seriously with the bizarre voiceovers of the characters, as well as the weird combination of characters from the Old Testament and mythology. And I, I kind of have to push against that because I don't think the game wants to be taken seriously. No. And I think the weird combination plays perfectly well into the arcade version's attempt to show that it's just a cheesy B-movie. I mean, the characters um, literally shin-kick right. bad guys to death. Like, I don't know what else you <laughs> right. could take. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> when you crouch right. over... But I, I think I can... Over and you punch. But I think be, because the Genesis version is the most popular <laughs> one, omitting this ending... I think gives people the impression that Sega wanted you to take it seriously. Mm. Um, but I don't think having the Genesis version act as the de facto is fair because obviously the arcade one came first and it's just, it is altered beast at its core. It's going to be labeled as an arcade game first. Um, but yeah, so the, the Genesis version, it omits that ending. And as the credits roll, you can control the Centurion who gets knocked down by the credits by touching them, which is kind of funny. Um, if you replay the game after the credits, on, it unlocks more dangerous enemies, including stronger ones from later levels appearing earlier and harder boss fights. Um, I mean, I've talked about it a, mu- a bunch here, but uh, which which version do you prefer? Do you, do you like that idea that it was just all a movie? I prefer the arcade version 100%. Like, if I was a kid and I played maybe, like, I mean... 
if I was <laughs> older at the time when this game came out, I'd be even older now and mm-hmm. probably be negative, but I probably would have enjoyed it if I played it in, like in the bar setting, you know, like especially in the 80s when right. like the bars were literally, you know, they they usually they had bars with video games on it and you and your friends were all wasted. I can already see people like banging heavy metal and playing this game and having a great time just because of how ridiculous you know it is. You know, it's like over the top, right? Like yeah. absolutely. And and I think it's worth noting too that another game that kind of does this is the arcade version of Golden Axe, and with all the characters busting out of the arcade machine and running amok through the streets. Yeah. So, I mean, if there is a connection here, it's that both games. I mean, obviously, are from the same guy. But they also both are very over the top and end with a very tongue-in-cheek joke about the games being fictional. And if I can, too, just so I'm not like being super nasty, a nasty neff to the uh, the nerds article, I will admit that I personally thought Thunderblade was an awful game. But then I played 3D Thunderblade, and now it's like one of my favorite like sprite scaler games outside of space harrier i think it's just i've never played a it very in, cool i never played in arcades and I, I really exactly. want to so i can't really judge it yeah exactly but i do agree it's hard to play it's like on riding consoles. it's hard to play on consoles yeah exactly exactly so i mean i i don't fault fans for like hating certain games or just like think writing them off or thinking they're like the worst um, when you haven't played the arcade version. And I think this is a classic case where if you play the arcade one, it's a bit better. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. And it just improves the game a I'm bit. I'm looking at the list. Yeah, I have to agree with you. This this is uh-huh. not a great list. Just because there's games like um, <laughs> Burning Rival, you know, these weird, like, obscure games that are, like, are way worse than, uh, in my opinion, than uh, Altered Beast. Like, Sonic the Fighters is not a bad game. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's a cool little 3D treat. Yeah. And I will, I have to, I have to call them out here too. This entire game, it's, this entire, entire article is a paid article for, um, online horse race betting. If you see Derby Owners Club is listed there, even though it's not a terrible game at all, it's actually a very fun and innovative Sega game. However, it's in here and it talks about race, time form race cards. You click that. And it's a link to horse betting. Mm, so maybe we should start doing that in our site. The top three yeah, fantasy so. <laughs> zones, and it's like Cancun, Mexico. Get your trip <laughs> tickets here now. Hang out with Opa, Opa, and the Sega Bits so crew. I, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So now I have to question the validity of that whole article. If it's actually just a paid article, then is it real? I don't know. Maybe it was just. I have to think of games that are seemingly bad but have clickable. You know, like they'll show up in search results. Very, very I feel bad. like uh, um, Altered Beast is an okay. I think he, I mean it's one of those games where it's like it has enough fans for people to get outraged, but also enough people to back you up because it's obviously an early beat 'em up games by Sega before they got their foundation going. Yeah, right, right. And and this will this will plus the game again. So let's talk about the game's music. Bring up the picture here of Toru. Nakabayashi. Oh, I got you. I got Look you. at that. There you go. Epic mustache. Woo! Look at that sexy man. Keep ladies um, <laughs> away from the screen right now, guys. Please. And you, you guys better. Yeah, you guys better enjoy that because it's one of the last images for this show. So we're just gonna leave it up there for a while while we talk about him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the game's music was composed by Toru Master Nakabayashi. 
He is a former Sega sound designer, and this guy is like old, old school. Um, he worked on arcade games as well as various prize games throughout the 80s. Um, I'm just going to bring up uh, on my screen, you don't have to share it, um, his uh, Sega Retro article, uh, his history. There's just some really interesting ones on here. So he worked on Doki Doki Penguin Land on the SG-1000. He worked on Alien Syndrome, the arcade version. He worked on Dunk Shot, not to be confused with Quack Shot. Um, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, Ooh. Thunderblade, which we recently were talking about. Um, and then he's also just had little credits on various things like Die Hard Arcade, Scud Race, Sega Tetris, Choplifter. And his most recent was Star Horse 2 Fourth Ambition, which is the most awesome <laughs> name for anything ever. Um yeah, so, you know, he worked on a lot of prize games, too. So, like, those types of UFO catchers, possibly. Um, he shifted to sound development and management at AM2. And then he went to, and I'll be honest, I did not hear about this until I looked up the article, um, Sega Megatronics. Have you ever heard of No, them? what do they do? So, Sega Megatronics was created in 1999 to replace Sega AM4 and AM6. And they... Their most notable games include working on Air Tricks, F-Zero AX, OutRun 2, Ollie King, and various UFO catchers and Star Horse games. My presumption is that they are on more of the technical side, on the um, machine design side, because you know full well that uh, F-Zero AX was from Amusement Vision. Yeah. So I, I think that's the connection there. Um and then, of course, the Star Horse games, which I believe were they were were those mobile games. They sound familiar for mobile. Which ones? Oh, the UFO um, catchers and Star, Star Horse games. Star Horse. I think they're an arcade. Yeah. I think they're those arcade games where you actually bet or something, and you see the little like horses right. running around in the arcades. Right, like online track betting that you can do at trackbets.com. And you can see our article today uh, is, about it on segabits.com. Um, top 10. Exactly. Uh, you're right, games. you're right. Um, so, Star Horse. And I think actually that uh, Go Sega anniversary album, I don't know if it's on here. This one, I actually I got these recently. Or the this one, but they have some wacky songs. So I'm going to go through here and see if maybe Star Horse made the cut. I would not be surprised if it's there. Um, it's also worth worth noting here, too, that the Music of Altered Beast uh, was released on a Data Discs vinyl. Do you have that? Uh, yeah, I do have that. It's somewhere in my room. I need to get that one. Yeah, it has a really cool art. One. It's, still, it's still in print. It hasn't sold out. Um, Data Discs, though, they, they described uh, <laughs> the soundtrack... As moving between intense battle themes and cavernous dirges, they say it's the perfect backdrop tr to traversing the netherworld, punching pigs, and powering up. So let's listen to a few tracks, and then we can share our thoughts. So first up, we have rounds one through four. You want to play that beautiful music? Ding. Damn, this guy knows how to make music. started loading again can you hear it yeah I hear it I 
Let's be honest though. If this was on a outrun soundtrack, what do you think people? I mean, except for the the ding ding ding, but the the other bit, the you know, when it gets more smoother, that kind of reminds me of like. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, Sega in this time era. So, absolutely. So this is the game over uh, theme extended, I believe, that we're hearing. This one or the other one um, I was playing? Man, which one did I play? Did you play rounds one through four already? I thought that was rounds with one through four. Maybe I'm I'm the oh no that you're right that is the game f- over. I guess I clicked the wrong one. My bad. We we listened to the oh, other that's one okay. first. All right, I'll play uh, this one now. Uh, You'll know it when you hear it. Oh, wait. I had the volume off. Yeah, there you go. See, classic. This is a classic for sure. And I feel like it has a very Columns vibe, if you remember the music from Columns. Yeah. Right here? <laughs> yeah. Get stressed out, dude, because the, the puzzle's about it. You're, you're going up on the puzzle, you know, and you're barely going to get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the music, iconic stuff. Um, it's not a very deep soundtrack, though. I don't believe there's that many tracks. Um, so let's jump into development. So as mentioned, Altered Beast was created by Makoto Uchida and developed by Team Shinobi, a.k.a. Sega R&D 1. And of course, they worked on Shinobi, and you can learn more about them. I always love when this happens because it means we can do less research. <laughs> um, you can learn more about them in episode 23, which covers 1987's Shinobi, which released a year before. So obviously a very popular game. Um, so much so that, you know, I mean, Sonic Team, now we have Team Shinobi, Yakuza Studio, you know, like it, they very clearly found the game they loved and named themselves after it. Um, interestingly, though, Uchida was fairly new to Sega at the time. He was originally hired as a tester for Afterburner, and Altered Beast was his first arcade project. And, you know, good for him, but I think a lot of it worked against him just because of the hierarchy at Sega. Mm. Um, As you'll see pretty soon, uh, the Greek setting, though, it was selected because it seemed like the best setting for a character who increases in power which was the core of the game's concept that he pitched to Sega. Uchida found inspiration from childhood experiences of watching Ray Harryhausen Sinbad movies. What? So, uh, have you seen any? Have you seen any Harryhausen? No, films? I've never seen any of those. Where are they? I have to Google it right now. So you you would know them if you saw them. They were the stop motion giant. Uh, mythical, like Greek, Roman monster. Oh, movies. I think I've, it was um, in the sixties. They used to come out. I think it was like a black and white, right? Or am I going? Or am I thinking of? A- uh, no, they were in. They were okay. in color, but they did come out. Um, uh, like for example, there was the nineteen eighty one's Clash of the Titans. Yeah, I think I seen Clash of Titans. I believe that was that was Harryhausen. Let me see. I don't want to be wrong. Um, like original though, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Ray Harryhausen. So, um, just so I don't get these things right, uh, incorrect here. It wasn't so much that he was like the man behind the entire movie, but he was more the, uh, uh, designer, visual effects creator, sometimes writer and producer. But, you know, it's not as though like the film came 
from him specifically, but he did work on uh, 20, 20 million miles to earth, which was a 1950s black and white movie. Um, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad from 1958, which was in color. And um, he did write these movies and he did special effects and some producing, but I don't believe he directed them. Mm. But yeah, when you see his stuff, it's very iconic. Um, honestly, it's it's kind of like he was, if Godzilla was to men in suits, Harryhausen was to stop motion animation. And sure, we had King Kong, which predated Harryhausen. But when you talk about like, the the golden age of stop motion adventure movies. I think my one of my favorites is Jason and the Argonauts. Mm. That's a classic. I saw I saw um, Clash of the Titans. I think in um, when I took college uh, pre- appreciation to cinema, or whatever you had, we had to watch all these movies from like 1902 or whatever to, and then that was one of the movies mm-hmm. we watched because of uh, stop motion, obviously. Right, yeah, I love Clash of the Titans just because it has Bubo, the mechanical owl. <laughs> if you remember that, it's like an yeah. owl that has like camera shutters yeah, for yeah. eyes. Uh, <laughs> and he does this like, he does a Peter Griffin kind of face, like his lids will close on the top and bottom, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so that was a huge inspiration for him. You see this too in a lot of video games. Um, anytime you see skeleton warriors with swords, that's like direct Harryhausen inspiration. If you've seen, uh, 2002's Star Wars Attack of the Clones, all the monsters at the end are very much Harryhausen inspired. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really cool that he's p- pulling from film because I feel like that's something that Yu Suzuki was doing a lot mm. of the time, either pulling from, pop culture, cars, airplanes, Top Gun, you know, like there was that sort of mindset at Sega at the time. Um, so yeah, so he did that. Um, however, a bit, a bit of drama came out when they were completing art for the game. Uchida was very unimpressed with concept art coming from his artists, uh, which had characters in togas, which looked very weak to him. Other artists produced larger and stronger characters that did not impress him. Like, it was either they were too, like, muscly or they were too weak. He was trying to find exactly what he wanted in his head. And he ended up having an artist sketch out his own concepts for what the characters would look like. So from the sound of things, he found an artist, probably from outside of his team, and said, I want you to draw exactly what I'm thinking instead of what my artists are presenting me. And this actually led to the game's lead designer to quit in anger. Um, wow. So why do you think this happened? Uh, I, I mean, I, my own speculation is that this lead designer had a history at Sega. And then this newbie comes in and he's like, no, you don't know how to draw strong men in togas. I know how to draw strong men in togas. And they're probably like, well, why'd you hire me? Um, but like... What do you think? I mean, don't don't you think the vision of the game should come from the creator? Or do you think this was a case of just like a rookie flexing too much of his muscles and old, older staff quitting 
And, and I don't think they quit Sega. I think they quit the project. I don't think you'd like quit I your mean, job because some. How how you know. do you feel like you present something? Like I I would assume as a graphic designer, mostly they people give you a broad idea and then you give it to them and then they tell you, no, this isn't ex-, like I don't know if you ever got that where they're like, no, this is not what I wanted at all. This is. This guy's too muscular. This guy's uh, too tall. And then they, they, and then you go and try to fix it. And all of a sudden, they're talking to some guy over there, and the uh, your rival, and you know your graphic design rival is coming in, and he's like, "How about these guys right here? Look, it's a demon that throws five heads." And the guy's like, "Oh my god, we this is what I'm talking about, you know." You know, I, I would assume that has never that has okay. never happened to me because <laughs> it happened here. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like. I guess I, I he I could know. be a little offended. I think there's people that like that take their craft, you know, they're they're designing craft very seriously. And when somebody goes, it's one thing to say no to you, and there's another thing to get somebody else to come and do your work for you. You know what I mean? That's very so true. I would say yeah, maybe that's a good. He point. got offended by it, and he's like, "I'm out. I don't. I don't need this job." Right. I mean, I think the difference here is that, and we'll get into it pretty soon here, but these teams were assembled. So they would, they would say, you're creating this game, but we're going to have to find the team of people within Sega available to work on this game. So these people were brought on with the intent that their skills were going to be used and they would be the ones. I mean, especially as a lead designer, they were the ones in charge of designing these characters. So in this case, I can see why that would happen. Whereas like, I mean, I guess to talk about me, it's more like I'm there to serve the the purpose of whatever the client wants. Um, it's not as though I, I'm like, I was brought here to make your vision be, come to life based on what I want. And so there is a little bit of a difference there. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean... I don't know. I, I can see why this sort of thing happened. Um, but I, I think it's also interesting here. So let, let's jump into this next bit of development trivia or factoids. Uh, if you believe it or not, Altered Beast's transformations via a power-up uh, were actually a first for arcade beat-em-ups. So if you want to say anything about Altered Beast being innovative, it was that. Uh, Uchida always wanted the character to increase in muscle mass and become more powerful which was actually the reason why Sega greenlit the game. But the final uh, stage-specific beast transformation was the cherry on top, which actually came later as a result of a delay hitting the development process of assembling a team. Now, I remember earlier on the show, you said this game might have been rushed, but it took six months for Uchida to wait for them to even have a team ready to work on his game. So he spent a good six months refining the concept um, and then decided that beasts would be the final, like, maxed out mode. And the special attacks then, of course, came about because of these final forms and the development of enemies who would not be so easily defeated without these moves were created. Um, so this probably explains why you must be in beast mode to take on a boss. Uh, do you think requiring the beast mode for the boss was a mistake or do you like the concept i mean we kind of already covered yeah. this but now knowing the development side of things do you think this was i mean i don't dislike it then but I like i think yeah. there should have been more of a transformation bit like the whole idea is like you know when you transform into a werewolf you're not going to be like uh 
like normal human, buff human, bear. You know, that's like like three different things. It's like you got steroids and then you turn it like it would have been cool if you, you turn into like a half animal form in the beginning. So you're like in right. the middle of the transformation, then you then you turn into it, and there's like some more, you know, boom, you know, to the trans. You know, when you see like those werewolf movies, the transformation is always the 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 thing that sells you on the thing, how painful it is, or something. So, they c- well, like let's say let's say you were the developer of the game. Like, how would you design it so that you encounter the boss and it's it's fair? Mm. I mean, you would have to make every single beast have its own gameplay mechanic where, like, I think the only thing that got mm-hmm. close to it is the eyeball stage where you actually fly. So it would have made it easy for you to dodge those things. But, like, you had to have some sort of gimmicks, right? Like, maybe one has a dodging ability or something, but, like, something that makes them feel totally different from each other. Where, And then it, and it makes mm-hmm. you want to play it again so you can figure out all the little intricacies of the of the thing. I think the simplicity of it is what kind of makes it the transformations not as like iconic, you know what I mean? Right, for sure. Yeah, I would definitely make them all a bit more different from each other. I also think it would be cool if the final boss was a boss rush so that you the the end boss had like five mm. forms in each form utilize one of the moves differently so you transformed through all five transformations and then like the golden werewolf was the final big reveal or something like that i also think it would be kind of fun if when you encountered the boss if you were not powered up you had a chance to power up immediately by three orbs like appearing to help you and you have a chance to collect them all and if you miss your chance you still fight the boss um, but you still have a chance at defeating him unlike in the game where they're like, yeah, uh, okay, around. three times and now you have to yeah, fight Yeah, maybe like have the boss actually give you chances to get more uh, of those little spirit things. And then maybe yeah, right. like, like, like have a pattern yeah. where the whole pattern is just literally made so you could, if you're in human form, to get more of those spirit things. Then it turns out to the last form instead of forcing you to restart the whole level. You know, that would have been... Right, and maybe... Maybe have Neff be like a little cocky, so he's like, "Oh, welcome to your doom!" And he's like, "Here, I'll power you up, so it's a fair fight." You know, like kind of play it off like mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't know. Like, there's a little little thing they could have done, but um, in a 2014 interview with Retro Gamer Magazine, which we've actually been featured in multiple times, um, <laughs> unfortunately, I bought the issues that I was in, and they haven't arrived. I think they got lost in the mail, but I did find one at the store. But we were actually in. One recently, I tweeted, they tweeted out, like, what are your thoughts on the Game Gear Micro? And they printed what I said. So that's kind of fun. Um, so Uchida. You're, you're lucky. Yeah, we're, we're, you're lucky they didn't ask me, or I would have been like, oh, you mean that trash <laughs> emulated garbage with four games? See, this is, <laughs> this is how you get published, George. You, you know, I know. You gotta, you gotta kiss up. You gotta post those, uh, track. Horse betting websites, horsebet.com. Um, so Uchida, in speaking with Retro Gamer back in 2014, he actually cited the 1981 movie The Howling as an influence for the look and feel of the beast transformation process. He said, I thought such things could easily be expressed in the game through CG. And I think CG as in the game CG, not like movie CG. Mm. Uh, I made the appearance of the boss characters as impressive as I could, but the most successful presentation was the transformation sequence. 
And the transformation sequences, they actually ended up taking the lead artist a full month to complete. And remember, these are just four short sequences in the game. So let's take a look at the werewolf transformation scene from the movie The Howling. Maybe mute it so we don't get, like, in trouble. We're in trouble. And let's see how it... Oh, we already are in trouble. We're always in trouble. So let's see how it compares to Altered Beast. Let's check oh. this out. It's it's three minutes, but um, make it be- oh, I guess I can't. Man, oh, let me. I'm just trying to frame it right onto the video. Oh, no problem. All right, I'll I'll play it small. Hopefully, they forgive us the copyright. Uh oh, I left the sound on. So he's like picking his head. For people that aren't seeing this, it's like yeah. the dude picking something out of his brain. He's transforming. So he's like moaning, looking to the sky. But see, there's something interesting here because you can see like his face is pulsing, but it is a mask. Um, So I presume they put like little air hoses in here and it's just like puffing up the mask that's on his face. freaky as hell. (laughs) He puts out his hand and his fingernails start growing, which is pretty sweet. And he does this big happy, happy smile. The, the best thing about these things are the transformations. What I'm saying, it's like it's the big thing, right? Like their big special effect. Right. His chest is just like oh, bursting God. out. So it's it's not so much this is like, like um, um, yeah, it's interesting. It is very much like Sonic Unleashed, where it's it's like. His body is shaking, pulsing. You know what I've no- this woman's you know just what I've sta- no- this woman's standing there just watching. You know what I've it. noticed though in the new movies that they don't they don't devote this many time this many this much time to anything. Like when you watch new things, it's like, "Hi, I'm a terrorist from this town." Okay, cool. And then it's the next scene to for the next story, and it's like never let they never let anything chill anymore. You know, like. Well, I mean, in the recent Avengers movie, the Hulk uh, transforms in like half a second. That's what I'm saying. It's like the transformations or whatever. Like, this used to be the biggest thing in a movie. Like, oh my god, you see that transformation of werewolf? Now when you watch movies, it's like, did you see the new Avengers movie where like every single hero in the Marvel Universe ever came back and the X-Men were in the background and then one guy from the (laughs) X-Men came for five seconds? Yeah. There's like so much stuff now, you know what I mean? And it's still, I mean, oh, if, God, if you're just crazy. listening to this, it's still going on. He's still transforming. His face is now, like, jutting out. He's growing ears. But it's all so, like, obviously, like, practical effects. But it's it's done so, like, detailed that it makes, it's just making perfect sense. Yeah. You know, was- like, I can totally see the transformation happening from human to wolf. It's insane. It's the it's it's one of the so. key iconic uh, usually scenes for every horror movie, like every like werewolf movie. It's the transformations the scene. Now, I've always been a fan of the ones where it's almost like their legs are breaking, yeah. and going into that like wolf yeah. pose. This one, it's pretty close. Like he's in insane pain with his, and now he's a full on yeah. wolf. So there you go. Um, so now let's check out the game. And this is actually a video, uh, uploaded by, let's see what, An- Anthro Arcade. Oh, and it's almost the same length too. It's because it's. As the one we just exact- watched. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. It's, uh. But notice the, 
the eyes. The eyes are a very uh, central thing, which is very much in the howling. They spent a lot of time on the eyes looking around. Yeah. Oh, and then they have another one over here. Yeah, I think there's... We can watch just a couple of them. We don't have to watch all of them. But, like... Yeah, if you skip ahead, you can see, I think, the dragon transformation is next. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let me put it back. The, th- the thing with the transformations yeah. is it feels like they reused a lot of the... Like, they gave them six months, and it's like... Okay, that one was not as good. The dragon one, it's like... They took two images, and they just kind of, like, cut it together, and they're like, here you go, you transformed. Right, exactly. And... I mean, he thought up the concept for six months, but then when he finally got an artist, the artist only had one month oh. to do all the animation. Isn't it weird that the guy had literally more time to think about the thing than it actually did to make it? And how did that work? So were they, like, cutting his salary, and he was just like, they're like, oh, it's going to be half a year, but just think up transformations who six knew, months. Who, dude who knew how video games work back then you know a lot of people got wages stolen and they worked for free for so Absolutely. i wouldn't even be doubting it i mean we know people that used to work there when they were kids in video games so it's yeah. like <laughs> like aaron weber he worked there when he was born yeah. i think he was he, a little little yeah, baby now he's in japan uh <laughs> So, um, going back to the development process here, the System 16 board was used because of its ability to display large and detailed character sprites. Perhaps the game's biggest loss was a planned pressure-sensitive button that could detect how hard it was pressed and reflect on the character's on-screen attacks. Such a concept would come to home consoles years later, with the PlayStation 2. Yeah. Remember that? With the button? I remember was... that because uh, but my friend this... was like... Yeah. He, he... Well, I mean, you know... I don't know if you guys noticed this in the podcast, but I'm kind of a Sega fanboy. So when the PS2 came out, I was like, pressure-sensitive buttons are stupid. They're the fucking... It's a gimmick. It's bullshit. And then my, my friend tried to convince me that it's a thing, at least in Metal Gear Solid 2. But I'm like, how many games actually, like, use the pressure-sensitive buttons... I get that they feel nicer. Not many. But, like, I've never played a game where you, like, right. press it tight, like, lighter, and it does something different. I don't know. I thought it was just a gimmick. And I never heard about it until... I never heard of it again, ever, after it came out, the PS2. Like, I never hear people talking... Until today, today. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and But you know what's so ironic is Altered Beast saw a new game on the PS2 in 2005. And sensitive, but it's, they did not utilize this function. Not, dude. <laughs> like you how typical 2005 sega to be like uh let's not talk to the original developer imagine if the original uchida was like brought in and they're like hey we're making altered beast on the ps2 is there anything you want to do that you couldn't before and he's like uh yeah pressure sensitive attacks would be awesome please do that but no yeah. they didn't um i mean at the very least with rise of nightmares on the connect the the House of the Dead developers worked on it, and they were like, we always wanted a kicking function, and we could never do that. So you can kick. So, I don't know. Um, however, this whole pressure-sensitive button thing was killed when the company that actually manufactured these buttons did not see, deem Sega's small order number for coin-op machines to be cost-effective. So they basically said, you can only do this if you order a bunch of buttons from us. We're not doing a small order of buttons. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, would you have liked to see this concept in Altered Beast? And do you think it would have elevated the game? 
No. I mean, let's be honest, though. Like, it wouldn't have. I mean, the game was pretty simple. I don't think it needed to have pressure-sensitive buttons. And I, I don't know. I just never played a game where uh, they had pressure-sensitive buttons. And I'm like, this totally changes the game. It's almost like, to me, it's kind of like, a, I would say, a gimmick. So I would say mm-hmm. Sega was probably better off saving the money overall. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been cool to see just because it would have brought some innovation to Altered Beast. And years later, we'd be like, oh, yeah, Altered Beast was that pressure-sensitive button game in arcades. I, but I also think it probably would have hurt it because, as evidenced, it was very difficult to produce these buttons. So imagine, you know, 30 years later, here we are, and we're like, oh, you can't play it in arcades anymore because the pressure-sensitive buttons break. And they don't make them anymore. That's what I'm so, saying. It would be hard um, to repair. Yeah. yeah. Now, there was another concept that was cut from the game. And this one actually got very far along in development. So this was a feature. And I've, tr- I've even though I wrote the notes, I've tried to figure out what exactly this is. I still can't wrap my head around it. It's a feature where the main characters would sense the strengths and weaknesses of the monsters. But the concept did not work out well in execution. And because it was cut so late in development, all of the art and sound effects, which had been completed, had to be removed. This meant that half of the attack animations were cut from the game, and the game's designer became very angry, rightfully so. I don't know if he quit, but um, Uchida had to admit that the game had lost depth, causing players to lose interest when playing. So, I, so I'm trying to figure out... So, basically... The main character would sense, so like almost like an AI, I guess, would sense the approaching enemy's weakness. Like the way I'm, th- I'm thinking about it would be maybe once you get the ability to turn into a beast, in my opinion, you would have transformations maybe like where you could transform to each one and maybe some of the creatures were like weak to a certain attack like that would have gave it more depth oh. I, I mean i don't know how it would be we wouldn't i mean unless we see an interview where he like specifically tells us how the weaknesses and stuff worked i don't think we're ever gonna you know no no but yeah. it's pretty interesting if you think yeah. about it like the idea like when i first played uh contra Three, I want to say. I know I played one, but I, I guess mm-hmm. it was just like Contra Three on the Super Nintendo, where they have the little red button, and then you're like, you have to shoot it. I don't know why that. When I was a kid, I was like, whoa, that blew my mind. Even though it was like the most basic, <laughs> the most basic design. Right, right. I, I'd yeah, I'd have to imagine a lot of it too was visual because they did remove attack animations, so perhaps. If you use certain special attacks that were super effective against enemies, you would see a little more of a unique animation. Like, for example, I don't know, if someone had weak legs, then kicking their legs would cause them to, like, stumble and fall on their face. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's clear that, it's clear that there was a lot more going on. Um, and in the end, they just had to cut it. Uh, so who knows, maybe it was game-breaking and it's probably for the best that they removed it. But it's just another, you know, clear concept that was cut and then it just watered down the game to the point of Uchida even admitting that the game lost depth. Um, 
So, you know, like many developers at the time, too, there were attempts to simulate 3D gameplay. I mean, it was no space harrier. No. Um, but you could see how enemies and objects, when they explode or destroy, pieces grow larger and grow smaller towards the background to make it kind of appear 3D. Um, the game itself was not very popular in Japan, but it was very well received in America where it actually appeared as a conversion kit. Do you know what conversion it's kits when you, are? Uh, isn't it when you get an arcade that could have multiple different games on it and you could switch them back and forth? Yeah, essentially. So if if you listen to our candy cabinets, and I'm talking to the listener, not you, because you were there when we did that episode. Um, <laughs> our candy cabinets episode, we talked about these these cabinets, like the Astro City, where they would just replace like the little marquee up top um, and then replace the arcade board and maybe change the button configuration around. In America, though, we had it a little bit differently. It was those big wooden, you know, classic woody arcade cabinets. And what they would do is they would send out these conversion kits, which would come with the, uh, sometimes the overlay, you know, for, for where the controls were. It would come with a new, uh, marquee. It would come with a giant sticker that you would slap on the side. Um, and so in this case, yeah, uh, it was a conversion kit for, I believe, and maybe I'll get to it later in the notes, I believe it was Shinobi. Oh, no. Um, I'm not because sh- it was a year later. Now, I don't know if this is the reasoning that maybe you never saw Altered Beast that often, but Shinobi was insanely popular. So if you can imagine, you got a pizza parlor and Shinobi's there. Are you going to replace it with Altered Beast? I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, but still it was very well received in America. Uchida was actually surprised by the success in America and was very pleased to see that Sega of America chose the game as a pack in bundle title with the Genesis. Uh, three years later, Uchida traveled to Japan <laughs> hoping to see the bundle, but was disappointed that Sonic had replaced the game in wow. 1991. And I don't know, George, I feel for the guy, but he had yeah. three years. Like, what that's was what, he expecting? That's what I was wondering. I'm like, wait, <laughs> like, you didn't get to, you didn't get to see it until three years? Like, the fact that he, like, he should just hit up eBay and buy a inbox collectible uh, launch Mega Drive with Altered Beast on it. I mean, at this point, he, right. I mean, he had three years to come and buy it and he didn't, so. Right. And if he want, like, I think his big thing was to see it in stores. Like, come on, dude. Like, I I wanted to go to Japan in 2019. It didn't happen. I know full well when I go in in 2022, I'm not going to be seeing like the Astro City Mini on display anywhere. Like, (laughs) I, I, I understand how product comes and goes. It's like movie theaters. I wish I could go see, uh, Godzilla versus Kong and IMAX, but it's going to leave next week. Like, you, you got to get on these things. Um, but he should be so lucky because I remember hearing stories of the guy who, an American, who helped develop the Sega Menacer. And he showed up um, around shortly after launch at, I think, a Virgin Records. And he saw a bunch of them. And he's like, hey, I helped create that. Do you want, to, want me to sign some of the boxes to move some copies? And they were like, no, please don't write on oh, our product. God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think they were being discounted already then. So, you know, um, there is a fun little story I actually found. Um, and I should give a shout out too. So when, when I was doing the, sh- the show notes for this episode, of course, I pulled from Sega Retro, 
um, which is, you know, we, sh- we share server space with them. So it's, it's, I feel like it's, you know, it's part of the family just taken from them. Um, but I did consult, uh, a few other books, the, um, Hardcore Gaming 101, um, Sega books that they had come out. And then, of course, the Ken Horowitz, uh, playing at the next, what is it? Playing at the next level. And the other one was the history of, um, what's the other one? Oh, the Sega Arcade Revolution, which was a real big help in the notes for this. But when I checked out Playing at the Next Level, which is mainly uh, Sega of America games, they did have a fun little story that I wanted to share. So um, in the story, Al Nilsson, who was the uh, the marketing head at Sega of America, he was going to present designs for the Sega-developed Moonwalker games to Michael Jackson. But upon arriving in L.A., they were met with all of his lawyers instead of Jackson and himself. And it wasn't until Jackson spotted the Altered Beast box art on the Genesis console bundle that they brought with him uh, as a gift for Jackson taken right off the assembly line that Jackson cut out of the lawyers, you know, like parted ways like Moses, you know, just move, let me through. And um, perfect. And they, and he greeted Nilsson personally and his colleagues and took the console in his possession. And it was at this moment that Michael Jackson became the first person to own a Sega Genesis. Is that good or bad? Not I wild. mean, Donald Trump was in the, in the, in the unveil, unveiling in New York. So he, he didn't, didn't get, get one. one, but he did get a shake Tom's hand. No, that's pretty cool. And now Tom right. talks shit about him on Twitter yeah. all the time. So that's the best part. I mean, okay, so I mean, not to get all not to get all like super real world. Would you rather have met Michael Jackson or Donald Trump? Now let's re- remember they both, in my opinion, did some pretty terrible I mean, things. Which one would you rather? Because I guess we never go to court. But yeah, I agree. They both. I mean, they're both pretty terrible. I would say I would. Well, I would like to yeah, meet. I mean, that was a kid back then, so probably not Michael Jackson. But um, no, I would probably want to meet Michael Jackson <laughs> because he made. He's he's a, he's going to be a legend regardless of what he did, or even if it's not proven or whatever it is, you know. And like his music's going to stand the test of time anyway. And uh, Donald right. Trump is just a dude on a commercial. That, I mean, sure he was president, but like that. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of weird to people, but that doesn't really mean anything to me as a person. Like to me, it's like people that create <laughs> art are more important, at least to me personally. And uh, he had some hits. I mean, you could say anything about him as a person, a weirdo, yeah. whatever. But his music was was entertaining, mm-hmm. and it made a lot of people happy. I mean, would you rather have Trump stakes or Thriller? I'd rather have Thriller, dude. One hundred percent, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it seems like despite all these shortfalls in development, Altered Beast actually saw great success and remained an enduring title. Do you think, though, Altered Beast deserved more? Uh, I don't know. I mean, do games deserve anything? Um, I think at that time, Sega was really experimenting with what their future was going to be, like. Three years after this, they got Sonic. You know, their whole their whole thing changed. You know, so I, I would say right. for its time, I think like like it got some popularity. I think it's more popular than I thought it was going to be when I was a kid. Like I always thought it was going to be like Golden Axe was going to be talked about more, and I feel like well, Golden Axe is obviously talked to, it has more games and everything, so it has that cred. But I feel like Ultra Beast is not that far behind it, which is weird because it only had one game. 
And it, and it was in Wreck-It Ralph for crying out loud. Like, what? It was on the poster on Wreck-It Ralph. It's, it's, <laughs> that's crazy. And I think it it's, it's kind of weird, but I think it helps, too, that just the title Altered Beast, when you list, like, all the games in, like, a Genesis compilation, it's almost always at the top because of being alphabetical, yeah. you know? So it's like, oh, what are the 60 games? Well, there's Altered right Beast. Away. There's, you know, it's always the Bonanza Brothers. So, you know, yeah, I I think, you know, despite kind of some of the crap we talked about the game, it's very clear that there is some really fun stuff there. I think the art design is really fun. I think the enemy names are really funny. I love the ending. Um, It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, a rookie effort from a guy who's going to do a lot better very soon you know with golden axe which i believe we've already done an episode of so if you're watching this chronologically it's probably kind of weird for you uh you chads to be like hey you know you guys are sounding like that happened a long time ago when it hasn't even happened yet so um yeah you know i mean i i think the game actually came out pretty well all things considered let's be honest um there were actually like mm -hmm. it had a pack-in it was one of the first pack-in games it it right. it uh it had a, it had something yeah. to record Ralph. I mean, I I would say it got it's gotten more love recently than Golden Axe has, I guess technically. Unless I mean, like I can't. I mean, I'm just saying for a game that only had one off. Like Alex Kidd had more games, and he doesn't get any love anywhere. Right. Yeah. And Altered Beast has a sweet logo yeah. too. Very I will metal. say. Yeah. Um. And then the game itself. I mean, a lot of people played it. It had several ports. And re-releases. There was the original arcade version that we talked about. Um, and you can actually find this one on Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. It's an unlockable. Um, but oddly, and this always annoyed me, Sega 3D Classics Collection on the 3DS, they ported the Genesis version. Mm. Um, and my only thought is, is they did this because the Genesis one does have parallax scrolling, um, which translates better to 3D than the arcade original, which did you not. Could, you could have just added um, it. And then, of course, there's more. I, I don't I don't think the arcade... No, the arcade... I'm just saying, like, could, they could have just, just added the parallax scroll into the... That's true. Yeah, they could have with their little... Their trickery. But another positive, too, is that it had more music tracks. Um, but still, I, I just think it's a shame. Because I always look to those, like, 3D classics and Sega Ages as kind of a, a preservation tool and so when they skip over the arcade version um it's just a shame to see it not utilized but i mean thankfully um despite they drop you know they dropped the ball with sega ages on switch we did see altered beast arcades port uh art the arcade port in the astro city mini um which contains the arcade version with unlimited credits too uh, more recent ports of the genesis version include the sega forever ports to smartphones and the Genesis Classic Collection for PC and modern consoles. And then, of course, outside of the Genesis port, there is the Master System, you know, quasi-Game Gear release, the Famicom, the Amiga, the PC Engine, the IBM PC, the Commodore 64, the ZX Spectrum, the Amstrad CPC. Uh, None of these come close to the quality of the Genesis or arcade versions, but there are some fun and uh, interesting differences. Uh, I have a video here. What is this one? Oh yeah. So this is uh, 
Juoki, so it's Altered oh Beast God. on the Famicom. Why? Which, which is actually a machine that can also play Samari. Uh, it's a Samari video game. Look at the music. What? Yeah, not even close, dude. You don't think no. it looks good? It looks like... Oh my god. The logo... So this only came out in Japan? Oh my god, dude. The gameplay? Yeah, yeah. Who picked the color palette for this? It has that ugly... It looks like boogers. Yeah, it has that ugly green that we talked about the, uh, that NES games use. But they're like... Re- and look at the life... The life bar, little oh, kitty that's cat heads. Cool. I like that. that's cute. I like that. All right, that's the only thing I like about this. <laughs> the statues are like, yeah. who did the, um, who did the art for this? <laughs> so yeah, so the 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 Master System version, it's actually missing a level, whereas the Famicom version, which was developed here by Asmic, runs smoother than Sega's eight bit effort, and it features three new levels. So there was forest, underwater ruins. And the mountains, as well as three new beast forms, which was lion, shark, and phoenix, which, I mean, which go along with the forest with the lion, the underwater ruins with the shark, and then the mountains with the phoenix, which is pretty clever. And then new weapon, new, I should say, new bosses, including Ogre King, Kraken, and the Great Demon. And it also retains the ending with it all being a movie, uh, seen in the arcade version where it shows the beast and the princess watching the game on a movie screen. So do you think it was fair that Nintendo actually had a better port than those uh, poor Virgin Master System kids? Oh, man, this is probably going to make people upset, right? Um, I mean, the Master System, this Master System, I was never a big fan of the Master System ports. I always thought, like, when I first got this Master System, like I didn't, I wasn't one of those guys that grew up with it. But when I did get one, and I was like looking for games at Swap Meets and all that, wherever I could find them, I remember thinking, "There's so many games that are better in arcade than there are in Master System." Like I was like always looking for like obscure, like only Master System games, and it's pretty rare if you think about it. Like going back when people always tell you, "Go play this," they're like, "Well, there was the Ultra Beast port, there was this port," and it's like, "Yeah, it's cool, but..." Right. Yeah, that's just... But yeah, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think the Master System version of the game probably sold that well. And I never even heard of the NES version, but uh, good on the guys for uh, doing uh, the work. <laughs> yeah, I always felt that games made for the system specifically were the ones that truly shined. Like, The Dragon's Trap is a mm-hmm. classic. But then you have games that were made for System 16 that are being ported for a Master System which is based on hardware that, you know, is pretty much like uh, SG-1000 2.0. So, you know, you can't expect too much there. Um, but then the PC Engine releases, they're they're really bad looking. But I thought it was interesting that the PC Engine CD version actually contains an insanely nearly five minute long narrated intro, which uses screenshots and package artwork. Um, but it's all in Japanese, and I don't want to show you it's, it because it's just it's way too long. But you can search it out. My only question is maybe there are like story tidbits added in. Um, so if you speak Japanese and you can find the PC Engine CD version on YouTube and translate it and send us a uh, text document, complete so narration, uh, just title the document. Well, just listen. Title the document. Um, uh, Altered Beast, PC Engine CD, 
japanesetexttranslation.txt. Email it to segabits at gmail.com. Subject line, Barry, here is the translation. And if you do that, I'll send you $5 on PayPal. Wow. Five dollars—that's so, yeah. more than Fiverr. That's about the same amount as Fiverr. But they're not—you're not taking the cut. They're not taking the cut. So think, think about it. I'll do ten. Wow. Ten dollars if you can send me a proper translation. But it—it it needs to be a text file with that title sent to the Segabits email address. This is all in audio, so you can go back and try to get it right. Um, and I'll send you ten dollars. Uh, I'm in a Google Translator so, right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Have you played any of these versions outside of the arcade and Genesis? No, I'm going to say no. The Genesis and the arcade, yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Um, I, I thought about playing the Famicom one before we started, but it just looks so awful that I don't want to have Somari oh, flashbacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Altered Beast itself, in terms of advertising, it didn't really have any singular commercials, and all the ads were those really boring ones where it's like, 10 screenshots, and it's like, here's all the awesome games coming your way. Um, however, there was a Japanese ad that I think we can watch here, um, which brings up Altered Beast. So when you want to play that... I have it up right now. You can check that out. I've played... It's got yeah. the bowl cut guy. Got it. Like his haircut. These were pretty popular commercials in Japan at the time. I've never understood them. They don't have the appeal of uh, Sega to Sanshiro to me. Yeah, I don't get it either. Is that like a popular haircut? Shock! I don't know. I don't know if this dude was like a pre-existing like, celebrity who people were just like, oh, it's him. It's, it's the guy who looks like a penis. So what do you think about you the... Know? Oh, I was going to see the little... Why did they say version 21... Point zero 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 always. Never understood that. I don't know. Now they're trying to give know. me a bunch of weird. Very weird. All right. I was going to say the, the... just close. Shut, shut down, down your the computer. Whole computer right now. No. <laughs> no. 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 Um. Yeah. So, what'd you think of that ad? Pretty sweet, huh? He's. I mean, he was face. just talking to us in Japanese and telling us like this is a, maybe this is an extreme game. I thought the Sega of America stuff. I mean, they didn't start the whole you know marketing you know back then but like i could right. already see what kind of commercial they would have done like a heavy metal concert and these kids walk in and they're like turning into beast and then they're like ah oh, sega and there you go heavy metal they should have sold the game like that <laughs> yeah you know i i think altered beast really fails at the marketing just because it did not have sega the sega of like 1991 making commercials it was really the sega of 89 the genesis does sort of thing where it just didn't lend itself to to anything no slam on l nilson and the great work he's done but you know i really feel like they could have done a little more they could have had like you said like kids going to a a metal concert and it's like oh wait you kids are underage and then they're like and they turn into like mom like creatures and then they go oh whoa 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 Come, come this way, wear tiger, and they're all buffed you know? up, like um, walking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see it exactly. Yeah. Uh, new games in the Altered Beast franchise um, actually did see the light of day. Like it seems like a one-off game, but there are a few titles. Um, I'm not going to get too into them, just because I feel like we want to do episodes on these someday. So the first, uh, first up, we have the Game Boy Advance 
uh, Altered Beast Guardians of the Realms, which came out in 2002 by 3D6 Games. And then there was also the PlayStation 2's Altered Beast, which came out in 2005, actually by Sega themselves with Reiko Kodama producing. Um, the game was, in some people's opinion, so bad that Sega of America did not localize it. To be honest, I think Sega of America just didn't localize it because they didn't localize things. I've never seen the Game Boy Advance um, one, and it, and it kind of has this weird, like, claymation look to it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So, I mean, and, and that was, I think, published by mm-hmm. THQ. So, in the future, I think it would be fun to do, like, THQ Game Boy Advance games where we can kind of talk about a handful of them because I don't think we could do Guardian of the Realms oh, for no. an hour. But... um I definitely think once we get our hands on either like a physical version or like learn to emulate the uh, 2005 one, I think that would be really interesting to discuss too. Uh, there are some failed concepts though. So in 1999, the studio V blank, which was made up of former blue sky colleagues who developed vector man actually considered a few Sega franchises to pitch to Sega themselves for a 3D concept, and a few they considered was Altered Beast and ESWAT. Mm. But they ended up making a 3D pitch for the new Vector Man game, which never saw approval because Sega thought Vector Man, la- Vector Man lacked sufficient brand recognition. So, George, do you think Altered Beast should have been considered instead? And would you have actually liked to see a 3D Altered Beast game on the Dreamcast from former... Vector Man staff. Mm. No. Just say no and we'll move on. I no, mean, I don't know. I don't think it would have worked, but I mean, who knows? I would have been up for anything. Can you imagine, though, they're like, we're going to pitch a game to you. It's going to be the latest 3D game on the new Sega Dreamcast, ESWAT. ESWAT's no, coming no. back. No. Like, what I would have been like, I don't think it's coming back. I think it's going to stay where it's at. Thank you, though. I think, though, I honestly think if they came at Sega and they were like, this is the game that made the Sega Genesis a hit before Sonic was even considered, we're talking about Altered Beast. Altered Beast is coming back to the Sega Dreamcast, which many see as, you know, like the greatest Sega system since the Genesis. And what we're going to do here is we're going to bring these creatures transforming in 3D. It's going to be a 3D beat-em-up. You're going to love it. Like... I think Sega might have actually considered it. I mean, they did the Altered Beast game. I mean, the uh, uh, Golden Axe Beast Riders game. I mean, who would have known? Exactly. Yeah, who knows? Uh, (laughs) So, Altered Beast, of course, it had several fun cameos and references over the years. We already mentioned Wreck-It Ralph and Sega Heroes, rest in peace. Uh, But there was also a funny one in Dynamite Decca which sees references to the chicken leg enemy in the background of stage two. And the Sega ages remake actually adds the werewolf and Garuda transformations for Bruno and Cindy. So we have a video here you can bring up. And this is the Sega ages PS2 remake of um, dynamite Decca diehard arcade, but with altered beast uh, characters. I got it. I got it. (laughs) Have you ever seen this before? Uh, I think I have seen this before. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Did we talk about the? I mean, I'm sure we talked about this when we did our uh, Die Hard Arcade I've, episode. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
Okay. That's sick. But now, I mean, consider this as a Dreamcast game. Consider this as like 3D Altered Beast. It's in modern day. Okay, you got me. You're still turning into the creatures. I'm I'm, I'm up for it. I mean, I'm remembering about like zombie revenge and stuff and how much I enjoyed those kind of games. So I probably would have been all into this. I mean, they're probably going to be reusing this engine probably. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Look at that. So (laughs) I just think that's a fun little like uh, thing there. Um, And then there was also the mobile game uh, Samurai and Dragons, which features an Altered Beast werewolf card. And the Centurion appears as a cameo in Project X Zone 2. Probably the last playable cameo to date, though, for characters from Altered Beast was 2016's Japan-only version of 3D Power Drift, which adds several 80 Sega All-Stars as guest drivers, including the Centurion. And I don't know if you want to bring up the website here. This yeah, is the I'm official, looking at it. The little bears um, right there. They even have flag Yeah, so you can see the lineup. So, yeah, so... This is like, deep. Sure, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing is a cool lineup, but look at this. Mr. Hangon, cool he looks like a wrestler. He's about to do a promo right there. He's about to shoot. Listen to me, brother. Me yeah, exactly. I'm coming got... after you. Better hang on. <laughs> Galaxy Lady. <laughs> and then Ben's Bean, Flagman, the... which I think is just yeah, of course, total the Flagman winner. is the winner. I mean, everybody who's read that article from, uh, what's that? Uh, UK Resistance, the Flagman article from Outrun. Yeah. Yeah. Get that guy. That's a yeah. Chad right there. Got the the Streets of Rage trio. We got Mr. Hang On, which I think is an awesome name. You mentioned Galaxy Lady, Alex Kidd. Like, this is so cool. And so if you're if you're thinking, oh, I have this game on 3DS, I'm gonna go play it. No, what happened was when Sega re-released the games to physical uh cartridges, they did three volumes, volume one, two, and three. Volume two Two, I believe, is what we actually got in America. Volume three contained uh, Power Drift, but it was a new version of Power Drift not available on the eShop, which had this all-star version as a bonus. And it just, it pisses me off to no end that we never got this. Like, I know Sega, I know Sega is so proud of this. I mean, we've worked with people who are like, hey, guys, we're so excited for another... Uh, 3D classics title, but they just totally dropped the ball. They yeah, totally they did. They should have released all Come of them. On. Or they should have done a pack at least with it. They like they even have. did one. Didn't they do one like the all pack thing in Japan? So jealous. They got everything. They did a three pack. Yeah, yeah. They got yeah. everything. So <laughs> it. I, now I'm mad. Um, and my question too is: Are you are you still pissed? Sega didn't release this All Stars version of yes. the West. Yes. Yes, yes I was. Um, another fun little, uh, reference here was issue 280 of Archie Sonic, which saw the Werehog transformation happening to Sonic, um, with Sonic the Werehog in the Altered Beast pose for this cool variant cover. I, it kind of makes me wish I could go back and pick up some of these again. It looks really cool. Um, and then recently, I thought this was neat. So people began talking about Altered Beast when Thor Thor Ragnarok's Mm. poster was revealed, which very clearly is inspired by the art on the side of an Altered Beast arcade cabinet. Do you 
Do you think this was intentional or do you think this I, is just like people mm, seeing it things? It looked pretty intentional to me. But maybe the guy just like was a fan of the game. and I mean, it's 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 different enough that you can't give him too much, you know, uh, grief over it. But you, he had to be a fan of the game, right? And I, and we're not the only ones to make this comparison. I've seen a bunch of people on YouTube still doing it. Or like anywhere mm-hmm. on, you know, those little I retro mean, forms, groups. Yeah, I mean, you see it with the arms going up. You, I mean, even the setting, like Thor himself is, has got like uh, ancient god connections there. So who knows? Who knows? I don't think there's any lawsuits no coming their way. Um, so what are your final thoughts on Altered Beast? Do you think it was worthy of a nearly two-hour episode of Sega Talk? Do you feel better about the game now that we've I, talked I, about I, it? I mean, there's so much things about it that I do like. I think my, my biggest pet peeve is just that it's so short. It's uh, like... The, the game design isn't up to par to other games that they've released after that or before that. And, uh, but I love the, the, mm. the, uh, gore. I love the way that the, I love how cheesy it is. I love, uh, the voice work on it. I like the music. So it's not like I hate, hate the game and I wouldn't even consider it one of the worst Sega games of all time. I would just say that it doesn't live up to the hype that some people online are giving it where it's like, Oh, sorry. We need to bring it back right now. If Sega wants to make money, like I'm not that guy, but I would say it's a it's it's a right. It's a decent game with not that much to offer. I guess. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair. I think the game definitely had its its moment in the sun. I think it never was really dragged through the mud or anything. It's just, you know, there there was the occasional fans like us who were just like, it's not that great. But it's still, I think, an important game. Um, it's definitely... Honestly, I think it's a better first attempt for a developer than a lot of other developers that we've talked about. Um, I mean, heck, Yuji Naka's first game was what? Girl's Garden? Yeah. You know, so like... What would you what would you rather have? Like I'm the guy who did Sonic, but my first game at Sega was Girls Garden. Or I'm the guy that did Golden Axe and my first I, game was Altered Beast. Like it's definitely a solid portfolio yeah. piece to open Not up. Not only with. that, I mean the, the um, game did make money so, for him, for yeah. them and Princess uh whatever did not make money, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, when you're the first back end title, like when you're when you're basically mentioned alongside Sonic the Hedgehog one, like you're doing pretty well. You're in pretty good company there. Um, speaking of good company, we have a few Patreon memories from Patreon patrons. So if you support us at any tier, you get to have your memories read at the end of the show. Of course, if you support us at higher tiers, you get to pick episodes. And we do have some episodes coming up that are being picked uh, from patrons. But this one, this is a berry pick. So we're going to have memories read here by me from Daniel Andres. So first off, he went, Altered Beast. I really want to like this game, but I just can't. I remember discovering it being a big deal for the Genesis Though one of Johnny Millennium's videos, a.k.a. the Happy Console Gamer. I think it was his Genesis Rocks video. That must have been back in 2012 or 2013 when I saw it. So shortly afterwards, I got the game for my Jenny at the time. 
but I just could not fully enjoy. I also discovered in the summer of 2014 that my Uncle Mark actually did have this game. I saw his Sega Genesis box when we were over at his house, and long and lo and behold, it was the pack-in game. However, I have no personal memories of this ever, uh, ever having it or playing it. Maybe he also didn't like it and just sold it. I am not sure. Anyway, I do like... I do love this game for its charm and for its music, but the gameplay just isn't that polished. The farthest I have ever made it was level 3. I have yet to play it two players sometime, though. And I have played the arc... I have also played the arcade version, which I actually liked a lot more. Uh, again, though, if I want to beat this game, I would need a second player similar to Streets of Rage. So, George, it sounds like Daniel wants you to come over and play Altered Beast with him. Right. What Patreon tier is that? We we fly out to your house and play a two-player game with I, you. I have, we choice. haven't added it. We'll think about it. <laughs> 1,000. That's too much. I poor, poor uh, guy. <laughs> we're going to pay for the plane tickets. I don't know. Um, <laughs> next up, we have Nicholas Schaefer. Uh, he says, Unfortunately, I don't have positive memories. I never had it for my Genesis. And when I later found out about its importance for the early days of Genesis, I got it on Wii Virtual Console. And I'm, I'm sorry to say I agree with Nintendo Power's review that it stank up the Virtual Console Ouch. launch. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. I don't want to end on a negative note. What do I do, George? Um, should I power up? Gory Goats. <laughs> All right. Here I go. Oh, yeah. Gory Goats. Okay. Yeah. Gory Goats is what we're going to end on. So thank you all so much for watching and listening. We'll see you in two weeks for episode 69. We're all going to 69 together. No way. Bye, everyone. Wrong. Bye. <laughs>